You are now listening to the MS podcast by Sanofi Genzyme. In this podcast, the brain takes center stage when Ole Petteriella, best-selling author and professional speaker, explores the different dimensions of MS and brain health through conversations with international specialists within neuroscience, psychology and physical activity. Did you know that one in four MS patients struggle with depression? Falling chronically ill doesn't just affect your physical health. It also messes with your head. While psychological care is being increasingly acknowledged, the challenges still exist in the recognition and management of it. Doctors may be well equipped for the biomedical aspects of care, but not for the psychological dimensions of illness and health. How do we change that? Finnish psychologist and author couple Johanna and Jan Henrik Stenberg might have the answers. And luckily, they are with us here on today's episode. Welcome, Johanna and Jan Henry. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. So first of all, what goes through a person's mind when receiving the message, you got MS and you got it for life? It's a big shock, I think. Yes, it can be the worst shock of his or her life be- being ever so far. Falling ill will permanently change, transform one's life and it can trigger many kind of stress-related symptoms. Yeah, in in the first, it can begin some kind of survival mode, that how will I survive about the issue. And it can rise many kinds of different feelings, and you don't know what kind of feelings an individual will have, and they can be really mixed and they can change over time. There can be feelings of helplessness or hopelessness, also one can feel relieved. There was something wrong with me. I finally know what it's all about. And now we can start the treatment. There can be many kinds of positive and and mostly, of course, negative feelings. And all feelings are normal in this survival mode. And and even lack of feelings. You can feel numb. You, right. you don't feel anything because you're yeah. in a shock. Yeah, that's true. Do you often see that patients feel that their emotions are not normal, that there's something wrong with them? Yes, especially if they are like really strong crying or something like you can feel ashamed like after the the moment is gone and people can feel very unreal and it can be new and even weird for one Uh, if you feel that this is not true this can't happen to me and you can feel like it's a dream and it can be really scary feeling you can feel that you're like losing your mind or something like that and people can people start to feel really like unsafe in the, the moment sometimes Do you feel that we as doctors are paying enough attention to these emotional dimensions of chronic disease like MS? I I think that perhaps there is not enough knowledge and tools in the fields. I know that every doctor will do their best. But but when you have patients with severe neurological illness, for example, neurological illness, you will focus on that task first. And and perhaps there is no room or, or knowledge how, how to react about patients' emotional reactions. And if you if you don't have any education for that part of the disease, you can feel that it's not my responsibility. It's not my field of expertise. It's like this is somebody else would know better how to treat this 
part of the disease, even though you know that it's like a real symptom also and something you have to yeah. pay attention to. That's true. When when we have departments like uh, like for cancer patients, there is even a separate units for psychosocial care and treatment for for those who have get cancer. Yeah. So in some areas we are good at yeah. taking mm. this into consideration, like cancer patients. Yeah. Mm. But not for MS patients. I don't think so. There is much to do better. So what could the consequences be for the patients if we doctors don't pay enough attention to the emotional aspects of the disease? The normal reaction, the normal psychological crisis can turn into depression. And it's always like another disease to cope with also in the healthcare field. And if you have a depression, it will impair your adherence uh, to treat the neurological problems too. And of course, there is always the risk of suicidal thoughts and suicidal acts in the end when the depression gets bad. And if you pay attention to the psychological problems and feelings and anxiety before the stage goes into depression, there is much to do and, and like prevent the depression. And isn't that so that if we are discussing about the mortality in, in MS, it's increased by the secondary things that will, will complications and, and things like that. And especially people who have depression uh, are, are worse to practice those things. They won't get help if, if they even if they should. They don't have energy to exercise or eat healthy or, or yeah. like treat themselves in other ways. Yeah, so cor- comorbidity is quite frequent in MS patients, mm-hmm. uh, like depression. I think we said that about one out of four MS patients get a depression have a, secondary yeah, to have, their have a secondary clinical depression exactly. and if we take the patients who have depressive symptoms lack of motivation lack of energy but they don't feel the criteria of clinical depression there is plenty of more yeah the numbers are quite higher obviously how well one copes with the disease affects one's own mental health but it can also affect treatment outcome yes that's true i think it the effect is quite big Jan Henry already told that one symptom of depression is lack of motivation. So you don't motivate to the treatment. And without the patient's motivation, there is not much to do. The psychological experience that follows receiving a serious diagnosis like MS is often described by four phases or modes that you guys would like to call it. The shock mode or shock phase, reaction phase, processing phase, and a coping phase. Could you guys elaborate and explain a little bit more about what's going on in the patient's head during these different phases? First, when you get the when you receive the information that is life-changing, there is this shock reaction. And how does it look like? It depends on the on the individual because you don't know what to expect. Even yourself, you don't know how you are reacting when receiving those news. And shock means that you are really in danger, that you have to survive. That's why the shock phase is is also a surviving mode, that you have to go to the mode that you can continue your life even in this miserable situation. And in the beginning, it's hard to take that amount of information that is so life transforming. So you need time. You can feel like really numb. You don't have any feelings in the beginning. You feel like really paralyzed or 
on the other end, some people when they are shocked, they can feel like really, they really can scream. They can for scream. Example. They can cry aloud, and they can be like really ashamed that they are doing so. And it's so it's it's a chaotic phase. The yeah. beginning, the shock. My own example is that that I have my own patient practice, and then I took my iPhone and and I find out that uh, Johanna tried to call me 18 times. And of course, I understood immediately that there is something horrible happening. Then I called and and she told me that my son is in the hospital in the critical situation and he may even die, but he's in the other city, hundreds of kilometers where, where I am. And I think that, okay, he's there, he may die, I'm here, I have my patients. Then I was like a robot. I feel nothing. I just took the patients and discussed with them. And and after that, when the last patients left four hours after I I had the information, I get panic reaction. I get the feeling that my son may die. And I run to the car and I ride those hundreds kilometers with uh, with crying. But but four hours, I was like a robot. That was a shock phase. Yeah, so you've experienced it yourself. Yeah. When serious illness hits, life changes for both patients and their loved ones. You can easily download the coping guide at your local Sanofi website in the Nordic and Baltic countries. Can we say something about, obviously this is different from patient to patient, but how long is this shock phase? Yes, it can vary from like a few minutes or, or one hour to one week, I think. Yeah, that's true. I think that's not much usually, longer. U- usually one day or something like yes, that. Yes, I think that's the typical length. Okay. Uh, one or few days. Yes. How about the reaction phase? I think it's usually longer and it's like... Um, There is no clear step from the reaction phase to the next phase. That the is, processing phase. Yes. But how do the patients feel during their reaction phase? Can you say something about yes. what goes through their mind? Different kind of emotions just come. You can feel angry. You can feel miserable. You can think this is unfair. Different kind of emotions come to your mind and they come very very strong and it raises many questions usually there's why me what's happening to me why this didn't happen to someone else and you can feel envy you can feel like really weird feelings mostly negative in the beginning but mixed feelings also you can feel relieved that there's finally some like explanation to this for your symptoms yes and usually when when first feelings are negative and angry the second feelings are are something like fear and worry that that uh, how will i manage my disease and, mm. and and i think the main differences depends on how you recognize the sadness or the misery in yourself because i think for some people it's hard it's difficult to cry and feel weak and that's the situation when you turn the the weakness to, to strength and you are angry instead of of feeling sad and and miserable But I think it goes from the negative to more positive. You can feel, you can start to feel more strong to start the fight with the the disease and the future. And how about the processing phase? 
that's the time for the processing. This is the time, not before this phase, the patient is ready for getting like re- reliable information like in and make the decisions about the treatment or plans. This is the phase where they are ready for that. So it's not in the beginning. And this is the place where it also starts to be cognitively like possible to make plans and start to process the feelings you have had and compare your life that has been to the life that will be and you know you start to see the the diagnosis like a turning point and process how it's going to change your life it's more like rational states more stable information processing start for some people this is the time for searching and google for information themselves i think this is something i have experienced from my patients that this is when they come for me and ask for help and ask for information they are not like help me please i don't know how i survive but they are like let's 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 see you how we're going to manage this so then it kind of stands to reason that we have to be a little bit patient as doctors we have to wait for the patient to get to this processing phase yeah. before we can start helping them maybe yes. with information about the disease Just and so. yes but it doesn't mean there's nothing to do before that because there is much to do before this information providing phase for the the professionals as well because in the shock phase and in the reaction phase the doctor can be like helpful also he or she can provide the safe environment and safe like cooperation and other things but the time for more detailed information is not before the processing phase that's true and and in that pamphlet that coping guide there is different kind of methods for different phases for shock phase and and then for example For the reaction phase, there is some methods uh, how to find the sensations behind one's emotions or how to recognize thoughts behind emotions. And and practicing those methods can calm you down and keep uh, the room for, for more rational processing. Yes, when you move to the processing phase from the reaction phase, you have learned some ways to cope with the strong emotions and that's why they are not so disturbing anymore. And if you don't learn it, then you can get stuck in the reaction phase and you just keep like floating in the the strange and scary emotions. And this is something one can need help with. So your pamphlet gives us doctors some concrete, specific advice on how to deal with the different phases. It's mainly for the patients and their close ones, but doctors can also read it and learn from it. Yeah, you use it and we have tried to put very many concrete practicing methods for, for the coping guide. So we get some of the tools that we may be lacking in our education. Yes. Yes, we hope so. Good. And then on to the last phase, the coping phase. Can you say something about that one? Yes. When the adaptation is on that point, it's more balanced. The the whole crisis, it's not cr- a crisis anymore because the disease will be part of your life. You know how to cope with the feelings. But especially when it comes to MS, I think it's not good to uh, look at this process as so simple that it goes from the shock to this stable and balanced new life where you have just like new identity because in MS there can be those setbacks. They are like part of the disease. But I think when you have worked with the crisis in the first two or 
three phases, it's easier to cope with the new setbacks or the new worsening phases. Uh, and also. that coping phase is also phase for moving forward, start to move forward. That's the part when the the diagnose or the bad news they are. Mm, it's not a positive part of you, but it's a part of you. It's a t- turning point that has uh, transformed your life, but it's part of you, and you know how to live with it. And you have to accept the new situation, new balance, find a balance in a new situation. Yeah, so in MS, this is quite a dynamic process. Yeah. You don't necessarily move from one phase to another yeah. and then you end up there. It could You could move back again. Yeah, that's yes. setbacks and Yeah, this is important to know about. Yes, I think it's really logical that when you have uh, a setback and you don't know how bad your situation will be, like after that setback, of course you get more strong you know, emotions and you have to deal with them again, but maybe you have tools to, to, to cope with it. So it's not, maybe it's not that bad anymore, but it's still bad. Sanofi Genzyme is a proud sponsor of the Global MS Brain Health Initiative, where the aim is to maximize lifelong brain health for people living with MS, creating a better future for everyone affected by the disease. The initiative calls for greater urgency at every stage from diagnosing, treating and managing MS. Time matters in MS. Read more about the initiative at msbrainhealth.org. Can we as doctors help the patients move quicker through the first phases maybe? Is that an important issue here so that they're ready to receive information, start with the treatment and healing process? I think we can, or if, you if, can. If the healthcare systems know that there are these normal phases and and give some tools and give some helps to patients, they can they can actually go a little bit faster through the the whole painful process. Yeah, and to me, it seems as a general practitioner that I, sometimes I have patients who feel bad that they have these emotions. So maybe it's important to assure the patient that these are normal reactions. Yes, I think that's that's one good point. And also that you have time to listen and validate, normalize and also make make it clear. Or maybe with the patient, you can study the feelings and the reactions. That why do you have what kind of feelings you have and name them? Only naming the feelings will make them easier to cope with. So there are many like quite simple things you can do if you just know them. And I, I think that you as a neuroscientist, you, you you know that the feelings are mostly limbic processing and you can't you can't control it. It just is. But when you name it and, and discuss about your feelings, it comes to be more like a cortical and, and executive processing. So it will also help you to stabilize mm. your your neurophysiological reactions. Yes, it's not so chaotic and like unbearable anymore when you have a name and you know it, this is this is not dangerous itself. It's a feeling, it has a name and after some time it goes away and there's another feeling and there are like clouds in the sky. And it seems to me that as doctors, sometimes we fail to see the whole patient. We're very concerned with the biomedical aspect, drug treatment, etc. But maybe we fail to see the emotional aspects of the disease. Yes, that can be true. And and if you have experience, you have told the bad news many times before, you can maybe learn to like uh, expect difficult reactions and you, uh, you will learn to know that it's normal that people are sad or they are crying or they have like mental breakdowns or, or like... Uh, 
weird reactions and it's normal and there is nothing you should do about it. But you should also learn that there, if, if it's like uh, it's a normal start, but if it continues and if you start to have more and more symptoms and it's not like getting better over time, there is something you should do and you should screen the symptoms yeah. for that reason. Right. Yeah, really actively. Completely agree. Do you think that we fail to pay enough attention to the emotional aspects because as doctors we are uncomfortable talking about those things? Or is it a lack of knowledge, lack of tools? I think the main reason is lack of tools. And on an individual level, doctors are human. Some some individuals, they, they are afraid of emotional reactions, but I don't know that's the main reason. People are mostly uncomfortable of of those issues. They don't have tools. Yeah, so the lack of tools make us uncomfortable. Yeah. So what can we I, do about this for us doctors? To get some tools. <laughs> in medical school? Yes. In medical schools and and also in in different kind of conferences, there could be more about these issues, perhaps. If the need is known, maybe there could be some additional education also, and maybe there is. I think that people that are interested and especially in cancer topics, I think they there are more more education and and tools. But considering the MS, maybe there isn't, and there should be. Because you guys have developed a method that um, will help the patients, the close ones, and also healthcare professionals, and you've called it the Stenberg method. Could you guys elaborate a little bit on this method? Yes, we we haven't called it Stenberg method. You have, but but it's very important first to accept the accept reactions of patients. Yes, and now we are talking about healthcare professionals. Yeah, yeah, that's true. how they should manage the the reactions. Yeah, and they should ac- accept the the patients' reactions, such as they come. You don't know what to expect, but the the point is to validate, to listen, and just give time for and, the shock and to create. Safety, safety feeling, some kind of uh, supportive, safe vehicle to ride on. Then there is a provide of information and it should provide as a written. In a written form, yes. Yeah. Because after the shock, after the first shock, the patient will need information. When he knows or he or she knows what's happening, uh, what's the name of the disease, what's the diagnosis, after the strong emotions, he or she will need information that's the the secondary need and then that's the place when healthcare professional the doctors should provide information that is in a written form because the cognitive resources are really restricted at this point because your life is a mess and you're full of emotions and your mind is really occupied and it disturbs mainly concentration mm. and and and, memory. And, and, and and memory then after providing information you should screen symptoms and warning signs of for example for depression and last you should follow the coping process so to summarize you should accept create provide screen and follow that are the main steps for for healthcare professionals and our contribution to this provide stage or part of this method is this pamphlet we have created with Jan Henry that provides this information about the psychological crisis that is uh, created by the diagnose and i think this is useful guide for for the patients and also their their close ones there's a part for both for the patients and the close ones and and they can learn what's expected and and learn that it's 
it's normal that you have those mixed feelings and it's normal that you have all this chaos going on in your life and there are some some tools for the patient and the close ones how to cope a better way and i think this is this has answered the need in the field because the doctors they don't have tools they don't have time they don't have resources at the moment to pay attention to the psychological part of the ms at least not in the beginning and then this is the place where they can give this written information and this pamphlet is really i think it's a yeah one. and and we have also made an additive guide for doctors or, or healthcare professionals how to tell the news to the bad patients news. bad news to the patients that's yeah. probably one of the more difficult things we deal with how to tell the patients yeah. the bad news yes and there are quite easy ways to like pay attention to the environment where to to have the conversation and it's it's not like really hard thing to do you just have to like but first of all you have to accept that it is hard thing to do that you won't just walk away and say hey by the way you have to cancer or by the way you have okay, i'm not saying that everybody someone is doing that but but you have to accept that telling a bad news is hard thing to do and you have to prepare yourself you have to practice it as well you have to practice it and it's yes. part of your professionality just like like some other operation yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's a skill to teach I think this is a really wise approach. I think as doctors, we're often quite good at verbally giving patients information. But if you just have received the shocking news that you have MS, mm-hmm. as a doctor, you can tell the patients, you can talk to them for half an hour and give them valuable advice and information. And then I realize when I meet the patients later, they haven't received any of it really because mm-hmm. they were in a shock mm-hmm. and the cognitive, you just don't have the cognitive machinery to take it in. So I think it's very, very wise to have it in a written form. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. Yes, and one thing to pay attention to is that you don't give all of the information in the beginning, just the main points. And you have to think about the main points before the conversation, that it's clear to you what are you going to say. And at first, it's not there is no room for all of the information, just the main points. Right. Mm. Do you guys have any examples of how this method, let's call it the Stenberg method, has changed how people cope with MS? Not perhaps specifically with MS, but but in some part of Finland, for example, in, in Seinäjoki area, they have they have themselves created a method that every time a patient will get information about serious diseases the nurse will meet the patients ask some questions providing some information room and and they will give this coping guide or this pamphlet to the patient the same pamphlet in the hospital and and then ask ask for follow up meeting Yes, and from healthcare professionals, we have heard like really encouraging feedback and experiences that is is really answering a need. And few days ago, I think Jan Henry told me that some customer told you that when she read the guide, she was like, "This I feel this is the first time somebody is asking me how do I feel with this diagnosis," and I think it's quite shocking that you know simple question, yeah. how are you doing? And if you don't hear it, it's 
I think it's really depressing. Yeah, just the idea about it. Are you guys involved in doing courses coaching the doctors in this method yes. in Finland? More, more and more, yeah. For a whole range of diseases, not only MS, I would assume. Yeah, doctors and nurses. But yeah. at the moment, I think it's not like comprehensive training. It's like single lectures or speeches yeah. that are asked. Like individual, it's not like in the system just yet. What kind of feedback have you guys gotten from patients, close ones and doctors to your pamphlet? The feedback has been really good. Very encouraging, yeah. Yes. For us at first we were like, okay, they are like, can we even write this down? This is so clear for us and all the the psychologists know these things already. But the point of view, the severe diagnosis and falling ill... It was something like it's in the somatic field and the psych- psychological field. It's not so common to have it. And and it's it's very hard for us professional as doctors, nurses, psychologists, because we usually talk with each others. We are using very hard words and and psycho words and and things like that. And and for us to make this coping guide was very good practicing to design sprint that how to make those words so that 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 everyone understands them and and that they have common common acceptability but the feedback has been really good we are surprised do you think that your work the stenberg method will change the way we deal with ms in the future we hope so yes We will see. So to the doctors who are listening, neurologists, how can they get this pamphlet? It's in the internet. It's free. Every Everyone can download it. I think it's uh, in English and in many other languages. Excellent. This sounds like a really important tool that can help us uh, doctors. So yes. thank you for all your work. You're welcome. Thank you. And, and thank you for a really interesting talk, uh, Johanna and Jan-Henri. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you for listening to the MS podcast by Sanofi Genzyme. 